Well, welcome to Grace Church San Diego. It's 11. How are you? We're good. We're doing good, Scott. Well, welcome, especially if you're new. Welcome to Grace Church. Uh, What Pastor Nolan mentioned earlier is so true, that this is a safe community where you can come as imperfect as we all are and just be safe to discover God at our own pace and explore what it means to have faith in someone like Jesus. And so, welcome. I want to welcome you online. Those of you joining us on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, hey, uh, this message, in fact, this entire new series is so, so practical that your friends and your family will benefit from it. It, will, it can change their life. And so I just would uh, encourage you to share this. Share this on your Facebook feed. Send the URL or the YouTube video to your friends, um, and I hope you would do that. Uh, if we've never met, my name is Scott. I'm the outreach pastor and teaching pastor here at Grace, and I'm just excited to be here with you guys As we uh, get into this message, I just want to pray together as a church family. Can we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I just pray that I know even in my own mind today, there's a lot of distractions of this past week and what's coming this week and um, who's in the room and who's online and just there's a lot um, kind of, you know, in our minds. And so, God, I just pray that though you would remove the distractions and we would just focus solely on you. Help us to direct our thoughts and be open to what you would have to say to each and every one of us. You have something personal for us today. I pray for those who are watching online or or here in the room, God, that don't know you and is kind of new to the church thing. I just pray that you would speak to them through this message as well. Help me to get out of the way. This is not about me. It is about what you are doing in our lives, in our church, and in this world. We love you. I pray that this message honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, those who know me fairly closely know that I've been working on kind of a, what I call a passion project, kind of a side project. And I have for just over two years, I've been writing a book. And I, it's my first book. I have no idea what I'm doing, so that's fun. Um, but I love creating content. I'm a communicator. Um, or I like to think I am, whether I'm good at it or not, and I, and I just love writing. And so I started just over two years ago, and I found myself getting into this pattern. And so what, would, what I would do uh, would be I would write like a section or a couple pages or even just a paragraph, and I'd start reading it through. And automatically I'm like, this sucks, Scott. Like this, this is horrible. I see every little thing that's wrong with it. And so what I would do is I would delete it. And then I'd start writing it again. I, I can do better. So I'd start writing again. I'd be typing it out. I'd be like, Scott, this is even worse. And, and I'd delete it again and start over. And on and on I would go, and I would do this over and over again. And I'm like, what is going on with me? And I was like trapped in this, in this thing, this thought process in my mind. And so I hired a coach, and the coach taught me, like, hey, listen, let's look at your top strengths. And so we went over my strength finder strengths. Some of you know that. And one of my top is deliberative, which can be very good, but the shadow side of deliberative is, like, I'm looking out, and I see all the problems, right? I'm looking at the minefield, and all I see is the mines. I I don't see the way through it. And so I, just like a lot of us, and my own worst critic. And so I'm constantly saying this in my head, like I walk off and I go, that was a horrible sermon. That sucked. And I just notice all the little things, and on and on I go. I bash myself with this mindset. And some of you can relate to that. And here's the frustrating thing. Like, it frustrates my wife that I am like this. Imagine what it does to me. I'm so frustrated even with 
myself. And what I realize is, is that what goes on up here in my mind affects my life outside, right? And the same is true for you. The same is true for all of us. Isn't that true? What happens in our minds will affect our day-to-day lives and even the future of, of, you know, our future, our lives. We are stuck in this mindset. It is a war inside, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The biggest war of our lives, in and out of all the seasons of our lives, aren't with other people. They're with us. It's inside. We are our worst enemy so many times. Life is a series of wars, and you and I are in one. You and I face these battles every single day, and they show up differently and at different levels with all of us. But you'll, you'll recognize some of these because for some of you, it shows up as anxiety or worry or stress or insecurities. Some of you procrastinate because of them, right? Some of you are just so inconsistent all over the place because you're fighting these internal battles and listening to all these different voices. There is a war waging inside of our minds. Some statements come out, and no joke, every time I preach about Thursday or Friday, these statements come like, who the heck are you, Scott? Who are you? That like, if, if people knew the things you've done in your life, if they knew that you weren't like this perfect person, like, right? It goes on and on in my mind. And some of you, you tell yourself, you call yourself an idiot or a failure. You say, I don't deserve him or her or this job. And there's this constant battle going on in our minds, and we can't seem to win the war inside of us. We're all fighting these battles. And if you're one of those who's like, yeah, not me, Scott, I, that's not me. We're going to talk about lying later on in the series. We're going to deal with you later. Maybe you're just not self-aware. The reality is we are all fighting this war that is happening in our minds, and it's something we all need to address. Because I know this, the only wars that you will win are the ones you know you're in, right? The only wars that you, you can know that you're in, you have to know, win, you have to know that you're inside of them. Isn't that true for all of us? So the series, or we kick off this series this week, right now, it's called I Declare War. And it was inspired by Pastor Levi Lusco, both the title and the series itself, because we know that we have a war going on inside, and we want to learn as a church family, not just how to get past it, but how to win this war within with victory in the person of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Specifically today, uh, I titled this message, Winning the War Within, and it's about the battle and the war of our minds. So we'll be addressing our minds today. And then next week, Pastor Dan will be talking about the war of our words and how we use our words. We're going to look at scripture today. We're going to look at the book of Colossians, which is in the New Testament. And I'm going to get there in a moment, but if you want to turn there, if you're online or here in person, you have a Bible or the Bible app, encourage you to go there. Also, I, if, you have a, if you don't have our app, uh, the Grace Church San Diego app, I highly encourage you download it now. Uh, just look for Grace Church San Diego. And if you go on uh, weekend and sermon notes, I have the outline on there, and I have places for notes and fill-ins. It's pretty important if you want this, uh, something to impact you today, it's important that you have that app. So I encourage you to do that. We're going to look at Colossians 3. I'm going to read it in a moment. But here's the context. This is the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. It's made up of the Old and New Testament. And a lot of the New Testament are written in the form of letters. They're called epistles. Epistle just means a letter. And a lot of those are Paul writing to a specific group of believers. 
Some were churches that he helped plant and some he didn't plant, but he's writing and communicating uh, a lot of times from prison to these different groups of believers. And so he right here is writing to a group of believers, the church in Colossae, and he's writing them about, hey, now that you know Jesus, you're a Jesus follower, here's what your identity looks like. And when you are a Jesus follower, here's how to live that out. And that's what he's talking about in this book and in this context. So I want to read two verses for you. They'll also be on the screen. It's Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, here's something to do. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here's verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And you pause and you read that. And you go, okay, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. He tells us, he gives us instruction of what to, what to focus on, what to dwell on, where to direct our minds. And then he tells us what not to focus on. Not the things of earth. Actually, focus on your creator. Focus on things above, of heaven, of God, of your creator, the one who loves you. Give yourself that truth. Here's where to set your mind. But the reality is, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Like we go in and out of our day, just focus on all the external stuff and what's going on in our day and the stresses and worries and we're tired and we're this and we're that. And we're so focused on the outside, it's hard to address what's inside. But yet Paul is adamant. And he he says in other areas, to set your mind on things above. Now before we go on, I want to give a little disclaimer. This is not a motivational speech. Right, I'm not here to rile you up and so you go, yeah, Monday, bring it. You know, this is not what this is. It's not a self-help talk. That's not what we're doing here today. We want to look at Scripture because God can change your mind and change your life through your mind if we allow him to win the war inside. So we need to look, that, look at that. And this is not a self-help talk. But what I do know is, and what I want to say to you, is this statement. And just let this sink in. You've heard the term, you are what you eat. All right. You really are what you think. Yeah, I said that. You are what you think. And let me explain and expand further. But what you think matters. It matters in your life. It matters to your spouse, to your friends. It matters at work. And it matters to God deeply matters to God. What you allow in and out of your mind and what you capture in your mind and let sit and stay in your mind will matter and affect your life in significant ways. Paul's talking about it. The Bible talks about it. Talks about it in the Old Testament, talks about it in the New Testament. Paul talks about it in other places. He talks about how to renew our mind in Romans 12, right? He talks about that, how we can consistently renew our mind and be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Some of you remember that verse. He talks about in Philippians 4, he lists all these things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is pure. He lists all those things. Go and read that in in Philippians 4. And then he says at the end of it, so now that whatever all these amazing attributes and things are of life and God, think about those things. Like you can't get more direct than that. All these amazing things. Think about that. Matthew, and earlier on in the New Testament, he quotes Jesus preaching and his commandment to the crowd and to literally every single one of us. He says, and you know this is true, and you've heard this many times, 
love God and love people. That's what we're commanded to do as Jesus followers. We believe in him and we're to love God and love people. But one key element to that is he says, here's how to love God. With all of your mind, all of your mind, not parts of it, not segments or spaces in your mind, all of your mind committed and devoted to loving our God. Now, I'm not saying mind over matter solves every single problem, but what I am saying, what's in your mind really does matter, right? What you allow into your mind really, desperately, deeply matters in our lives. It's just true. I struggle with this a lot. I struggle with this. I remember even from childhood, it still affects me. I remember like, okay, uh, my grandparents are raising me. My dad's in prison. He's a criminal and a drug addict. I th- I'm probably going to be like that. And I remember being like nine or ten years old, and I'm just like, that's me. I don't want it to be me, but inevitably, that's going to be me. I'm going to be a failure and a criminal and a loser in my life. And it came true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bad told myself not to say weird things, but it happens. Welcome to Grace. But I'll never forget that, being that young. Can you imagine that? Being that young, I'm not exaggerating. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be a loser. That's who I'm going to be. It is what it is. Like, you know, get over it, Scott. And then I loved my grandpa who raised me, amazing man, taught me hard work, taught me a lot of good values and principles and things, but nothing was ever good enough for him. Nothing. So think about that, what, how that informs a child. Bring home an A, that's cool, why wasn't it an A plus? Like, what? <laughs> I scored a goal, why wasn't it two? I'll never forget, I was 19, I was a, a martial arts fighter and I fought in the world games at 19, I placed third in my division in the world. Came home, oh, man, I thought you'd get second at least. What? <laughs> Nothing was ever good enough. So constantly at 41 years old, I'm battling in my mind, Scott, you're not good enough. That's not good enough. Your words you just wrote in your book, it sucks. It's not good enough. That sermon you gave on Sunday, horrible. Like a million people can go like, Scott, that was really impactful. Thank you. In my mind, yeah, you suck. (laughs) Like we go crazy with this self-talk, don't we? And you can relate because you have the same stuff. Maybe it, it, it appears in different ways for you, but we all have this war in our mind, and you and I have to battle it. We carry these things on. Someone informed you about you from the outside, and you've adopted it as identity, like I have. What are those things? And I encourage you to take that inventory. What are those things? What are those voices? What are those internal battles that you are facing? And maybe you need to write those down, because there's power in labeling and identifying it. What are those things for you? Maybe take out your phone and put it in your notes or write it on something or type it out. You need to know so that you can know what to battle. We are so informed by the things on earth, aren't we? And yet Paul says, don't set your mind on that. Don't send your mind on things on earth. And it's in the Christian world. It's in the church world. I was talking to a a non-believer, a non-churchgoer, and he says, what do you do? And here comes that question, (laughs) you know. And I, it's, you always get mis, mixed reactions when you say, I'm a pastor. And so I was talking to this guy. He says, what do you do? He said, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, oh, yeah, one day I'll get to church. I just, on and on he tells me, and he feels, 
and has been informed by the judgment of many Christians that he is not good enough to go to church. That's what he said to me. People his whole life, like, yeah, you got to clean up your stuff to go to, to walk in that place. Like, really? Seriously? I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. This has been your experience with Jesus followers. Because the essence of the gospel of Jesus is that you can't save yourself, and I can't either. Like, this, there's no pretending here. It's not, you're not good enough. What you think disqualifies you actually qualifies you to walk in those doors and receive Jesus. But yet we are constantly filling ourselves with things, false narratives, negative thoughts, and we're letting other people and culture and society inform us about us, and it isn't true at all. Our thought life matters, and you become your thoughts. You are what you think. And when we, are, when we become what we think, we are so focused on these things, and we realize that focus can determine our direction in life. Literally what happens in here can determine the direction and trajectory of your entire life. Why does Paul say, don't focus on things on earth. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the goodness of God. Because when you set your mind on things on earth, it goes bad for us. It's not good for us. It's not healthy for our emotions, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, our physical health. It's not good for us. We focus on all the wrong set of things, and yet our minds are so powerful. We focus on external things and internal things. Externally, this past year, you and I, all of us, have been consumed with COVID. Like consumed with, I don't know about you, I'm just tired of it, right? I don't know that we have a choice, but I'm just tired of it. I'm just gonna say that. We've been consumed with politics and some of us fixate on it and we consistently keep watching it. Like turn off the news, people. It's not good. And then we get into it and we battle people, pick this social issue or this social issue and we're fighting people on social media and I'm right and you're wrong. And we're having all these internal dialogues. Like count the hours of the invisible conversations you've had with yourself about all these issues. What would that add up to? It could be destructive and crippling. We focus on things that are even good. We focus, I love, my, two of my boys are here. I'm totally addicted to loving my kids. I love them. But we get in these codependent relationships even, right? And we're so focused on people that we're codependent on them. We're dependent upon our animals, even cats who are evil. It's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Move on quickly, don't send me an email, joke. It was a joke, it was a joke, good job. We get so focused on external things, I'm just gonna keep talking. On our jobs, on food and culture, things that aren't bad in and of themselves, but the problem is when we focus on all these things, we leave little to no room for God inside. That's the problem. We focus on internal things that could be destructive too, like our feelings, Our society and culture says, if you feel something long enough, that's your truth. Can I just say I hate that statement? Like, if you tell me that must be your truth, I'm like, "Mm, mmm, that's not good. I hate that. We're addicted to our feelings, and then we're led by our feelings because of it. We react instead of respond in a healthy and mature way. We're so led by our feelings, and the problem is we are not called to, to follow our feelings, we're called to follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, one thing that we will all notice is that a lot of times, I would say most of the time, that's in contrast to what we feel. 
Like, I don't feel like getting up early in the morning and spending time with my creator. But I know I need to. I know that will completely change the trajectory of my day. I know that my perspective on life and my family and my home and who I am and my career and my calling is way better when I spend time with Jesus. And so I do it even though I don't feel like it. Does that make sense? We're so addicted to our feelings. We let our feelings follow us. And it is destructive. Externally, you know this. Those of you who... um, study relationships and psychology and things like that. There's a really good book called Boundaries, and some of you have adopted those concepts into your relationships. And Because you know, like, you know you have to sometimes have boundaries around friends and family. Like, the crazy uncle can't say all those things at the holidays. Like, don't say that. <laughs> Just because we're family doesn't allow you to be a jerk, that type of stuff. So we create healthy boundaries with people in our lives, even coworkers and friends and family. But yet, I feel like we don't create those boundaries internally, just externally. You know what I mean? Like, we're kind of reckless inside, even though we've established these boundaries outside. So what that looks like is, like, instead of, like, no, Scott, you're a loser. Why would you ever think you're qualified to go preach at church? Instead of adopting that as truth, I immediately need to identify, no, boundary time. That's not of me. That's not of God. I know who I am in Jesus, right? Or I'm gonna feel this certain way and it feels good, so I'm just gonna keep rolling with it. I mean, that's how affairs happen, right? That's how destruction in our life happens. That's how addiction happens in our life. Like I'm an addict, that's just who I am, it's inevitable. Yeah, well, you're struggling with it, but you're a child of God, actually. You're a saint, he calls you. You're holy and blameless and he loves you. We need those internal boundaries so that we could take those things captive and they not control us, but we control it. We can win the war inside of our minds. We can change our feelings by changing our minds. I was reminded, by, um, I re- I was reminded about this concept. I love psychology. I love reading books of psychology. I, wouldn't, I know you don't, I don't look like a, that type of a nerd, maybe a different nerd. But there's this concept called neuroplasticity. And the concept is basically this. You can change your thought patterns by changing your self-talk. You can literally change the chemistry in your brain that would change your perspective on life and God and faith and family and culture and everything by changing the way you speak to yourself. Because your minds are a powerful weapon But the problem is we don't think of it through that filter. We just follow our feelings and our culture helps us along the way. But here is something crazy that I've learned to be true, that you don't have to think about everything you feel, but you will feel everything you think about. Right? Let me say it again. You don't have to think about everything that you feel, but you will feel everything that you think about. You will, and you'll have a choice to make. Will you follow the feeling or follow the truth in your life? So here's Paul's encouragement. Where are you going to set your minds? You're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're going to have a whole new week, whole new set of stresses and worries and goods and bads. And he's saying, set your, thing, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on God who loves you and wants the best for you and wants to fulfill you. And do not set your mind on things on earth. 
And that's his strong encouragement. And we know that we can get in the state where we are what we think. And, and we know, also know that our focus can determine the direction of our lives. But we need a strong weapon to fight this war within, don't we? We need a weapon. And that weapon is truth. It just cuts through the middle of everything going on inside. The weapon is truth. And it's God's truth. And it's God's love. It's what he says about you, not what I feel or am informed by other people. Most of the battles of our minds are all this self-talk, false narratives, we're falsely informed by culture and people, and we need to take those things captive. Paul has such strong words sometimes. In another place in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians, there's a couple other verses I just want to fixate on as we end up closing here. He's writing to a specific set of believers in Corinth, in a town called Corinth, and he has a conflict with some of, these, some of these people. And he's writing, kind of explaining his ministry, explaining himself and how and why he does the ministry he does and you know, how he's doing that. And he explains it. And he has this explanation of this war happening. And when I read these words to you, I want you to read them and take them personal about the war inside of your mind. Take these personal and listen to these words. They'll also be on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3. We'll start there. It says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but, listen to this, have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and... Here's the key. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. What that means for us is every thought we take captive. Scott, you're not good enough. You're a failure. Really? What does God's word say? And through taking those thoughts captive, it empowers, it equips us to follow God in our lives in amazing and powerful ways so that he can have the impact. But it is our job to win this war with his truth by taking every single thought captive. Like, you're an addict? Is that all you are? Seriously? Because Paul is saying that we have divine power to destroy those strongholds by taking every single one of those thoughts captive. So whatever those things are for you, those internal wars, those battles in your mind, that anxiety, those panic attacks that are crippling you, the stress, the worries, the fears, just all those things, all of our insecurities, your job is to take them captive and to balance that and wage a war against them with the truth and love of God. I listen to uh, a few different pastors and authors. I listen to podcasts. I'm not a big bookworm. Like, I'll do the audible before I'll read because I'm like, this is boring, and that's me. But I love, um, I drive a lot, so podcasts and sermons and things like that. But the last few years, I've really limited the voices that I listen to. And there's one guy in particular um, that I recently stole something from. And is, he's a pastor out of um, Portland. His name is John Mark Comer. And he was being interviewed. I listened to an interview about three months ago. And he was interviewed by two psychologists. And um, I don't have to get into all the details, but basically he said, I do this liturgy with my son, and we, we recite it together every single morning. And, so I, and, and then he said it, and I go, wait, what did he just say? And I rewound it, and I wrote it down. So about two and a half months ago, my boys are sitting there, 
my two or three are here, two out of my three boys are here, and I passed it, my phone, first to Aiden, and I go, Aiden, I want you to read this, and he reads it, and I could see, like, either internally or physically, they're rolling their eyes, like, what is daddy doing now? And Henry gets it, and he reads it, and I go, okay, pass it to your brother, and Max gets it, and he's probably the most annoyed. He's like, he's struggling through it a little bit. And then I get up and I read it. And I say, boys, I want you to read this every day. We're going to read this. I totally stole it from the pastor. But it's amazing. I'll, read, uh, I'll say it to you in a moment. Two months goes by, about a week and a half ago or so. I forget. I do it almost every morning, unless like this morning I get up at five. But I do it all the time with the boys. And so uh, about a week and a half ago, I, Matt, we're getting in the car, taking the boys to school, and Max goes, Daddy, we forgot our liturgy. The one who was really annoyed at it. And I go, okay, what is it? Doesn't need to read it. Doesn't need to read it at all. And he just says it. He goes, I'm not what I do. Listen to these words. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I'm the beloved of God. So who I am, nobody can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust Jesus and share his love with the world. Right, boys? Every single morning, because I want them to know who they are in Christ. And I want these words implanted in their minds and in their heart forever. So that when they're an adult, like me at 41 years old, saying, you're a loser, no. I'm not what I do, not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. So who I am, nobody can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust Jesus and share his love with the world. I think that's for all of us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your truth is our weapon for this war inside. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us with your truth, with your love, with your mercy. There are people all over the spectrum today watching online and here in person. Some don't know you, and this is such a foreign concept being in church for them. And some here have been a believer and a follower of you for decades even. And so God, I just pray for the one that feels far from me that doesn't know you right now. I pray for that person, and I pray whether they're watching online or they're here in person, that they would know and experience your love right now inside of them. That all the things inside of them that have informed them about you, they would just say, what is your truth? And God, you would, you would inform them. You would tell them. You would speak to their heart and say that you, Jesus, died for their sin. You died for all of our mistakes, our failures, our flaws, our brokenness. And through you, we are whole. Through you alone, we are whole. And if that's you, I pray that you would cry out to him. Receive him. Believe in him. He knows everything you've done and thought about, all the good and the bad in your life. And he looks at you face to face and he says, I love you. I choose you. You belong. You're mine. Give him your life. He loves you. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that the words of that liturgy would ring true in our hearts and our minds. And that every day we would be reminded of who you are, not just in this world, you are the king of this world, but you're also the king of our hearts. And through you, we could have victory 
of this war within. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.